Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Right. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. We're back, baby! Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a recycler, and I love films. As Gertrude Stein once said, One must dare to be happy. I loved past life so much, I immediately saw it two more times, and it made me even more happy. Ah, Gertrude, me too, that's a lovely idea. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Sharon Stone, Jamila Jamil, and even Kled Kablambos. But this week, it's the brilliant actor, writer, podcaster, producer, stand-up, and star. It's the wonderful and only Tom Davis. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you get all the extra stuff for the episodes. You get about 25 minutes extra chat with me and Tom. He tells an amazing secret. We talk about best beginnings and endings. You also get the whole episode uncut and ad-free and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So Tom Davis. Tom Davis is an excellent actor, writer, creator, producer, director, all of it. He does all of it. I met Tom years and years and years ago when we first started stand-up together. He is now about to go on tour with his first big stand-up show. He's made King Gary. He's in Wonka. He's in everything. He's got an amazing podcast with Romesh called Wolf and Owl. He's fucking brilliant. He's a lovely, lovely man. I was so happy to record this with him on Zoom. And I really think you're going to love this one. So that is it for now. Welcome back, everyone. I very much hope you enjoy episode 274 of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by a creator, an actor, a writer, a producer, an improviser, a stand-upper, a wolf, a podcaster, a lover, a father, a husband, a hero, a legend, a grafter, a grifter, a... G- g- 
great man, a wonder and an angel and also a boy. Please welcome to the show. I can't believe he's here. It's the one. It's the only. Here he is. It's Tom Davis. Bless you. Yo, I still find it really cringy when um like people introduce you to stuff. Do you remember when you started stand up and you like used to get introduced like that moment when you first ever got introduced to this sort of stage and you couldn't you didn't know how quite how to deal with it like sort of the joke's almost easy but actually how to sort of like walk out on stage and like be yourself. I found you even now like when you do po- like these podcasts or you do yeah. like any kind of interview. I always find it really weird that people have to pick you up and I'm just even now I'm, I'm not used to it. It feels sick. I'm used to. Well, that's isn't that also just being English? I mean, it is like a sort of cliche, but it's true in that in in America when you do stand up, they go, "What are your credits?" Before they bring you on, they go, "What are your credits?" Oh wow! And you're like, "What?" And they sort of have to introduce you as like, "He's done this, he's done that." You've seen him on Comedy Central, and people go, "Woo!" But in England, you don't say anything. You don't even say. It's better if you say, "This guy is a nobody and he's scum," and then the audience will go, "All right, we'll listen." But if you go, he's amazing, people go, boo. <laughs> it's such a weird thing. Do you remember, like, there used to be a gig in North London run by Martin Besserman. I can't remember what it's called now. And I remember him introducing it, probably about my eighth or whatever, tenth gig. And he introduced me by going, the next guy is probably the tallest person who's uh, ever played this place. Um, actually, thinking about it, like Greg Davis or Steve Merchant have both played here and they're bigger than him. Actually, don't get excited it isn't Greg Davis or Steve Merchant. Um, actually, I don't even know how funny this guy is. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, to get him for Tom Davis. I was just like, everyone, in everyone's head, they're like, oh my God, Steve Merchant, Greg Davis, who are two of the fucking best guys are doing what we do in the business. And then you come out and it's sort of just an anti-climax for everyone in the room. And you're like, well, do you know what? Anything I say is going to be passable is fucking half decent now. It's like, they're not so expecting it. Yeah, it's a real tragic uh, yeah, way of being, I think. Uh, when, when, when Derek first came out, I had a few times where people would go, um, he's the star of Derek. And so the audience are going, Ricky Gervais is here. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go, Brett Garcia, you hear people go, hey. Oh. <laughs> oh, that one. Which guy is which guy is he? Which is he? Which is he? Is he in it? <laughs> yeah. Go through the IMDB. Are you sure? That, I don't recognize him. Now, yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom Davis, I've known you for many, many years. We did stand up together. I think the fir- it's the first time we met in Leicester doing that really dreadful gig. Yeah, I mean, I remember doing, oh my God, yeah. We, we we came out, we were sort of started out around the same sort of time, right? We'd have... I think so, yeah. Yeah. And I remember open mic together. Oh, that one in Leicester, I remember being awful. Yeah, truly awful. <laughs> sort of one of those gigs where it's in a bar, but no one in the bar has asked for it or wants it. <laughs> and they've made no concession to stopping the bar being a, a nightclub. <laughs> I think there was still music playing it. So like, yeah, just go and do... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just shout at these people. Do some of your observations. <laughs> just shout at these people trying to enjoy their evening. <laughs> it's an insane thing now to see then. Because I remember then yeah. we, we did a, we did the acting job together and we'd sort of, you know, we weren't in any of the same seats. Um, yeah. I think it's one of those things where you're, yeah, you're coming up through the ranks with someone. And it, I think you were always someone I was always very like, I remember just the positive vibe that I always enjoyed with you. And you were sort of, you felt like, in the best way when I like not it's the least competitive you felt like you were always focused on where you were heading and you never felt like you could like felt like anyone else that's a weird thing of stand-up it's when I speak mm. to youngsters and writers and actors I think you can get consumed by whatever else around you is doing and I always felt with you you were someone who always wished people well and 
you also yeah. happy for other people's success, which I was always, that was sort of, I think I, I, I always took that as a real sort of show of your character as well, good person. Oh. Well, that's nice. But I was like, <laughs> I'm just like, it's not a sport. It's not like, no. it's like, it's art. It's not a competition. There's no, because um, everyone's doing something different. It's shocking though, how many people, it's shocking how many people in the industry still who, who think like that and work like that. And I think, and there's probably an element of that that's maybe needed, I don't know. I always it strikes me the people that I sort of like or consider as both on and off stage the people I admire are the people who've always yeah taught us looked at it as art or looked at it as something that's a team sport in a sense that and also using the people around you to inspire you to go to the next stage or looking at people and go oh fucking hell he's done that that's amazing that's reachable that's so yeah we you know, I could potentially get or that could happen and I think that's that's a, yeah. Well, you're one of the, I'm going to say something sincere and forgive me. Fucking forgive me, Tom, but I'm about to be sincere for a minute and then I will not do this again. Is that you're one of, you're now a national treasure and I'm fucking delighted for that. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons I like it, I like three things from people who, who become successful. Either they're, they're really, really talented or they're really, really lovely or they work fucking hard. They've worked so hard. You can't, you can't begrudge them anything. You go, wow, you worked so hard for this. You are all three of those. Oh, and that you, is a, thank you. a rare very... and beautiful thing. God bless, oh, bless you. you. Thank you. Let's never thank be you. sincere again. Well, I'm thank sincere. you for having me on the podcast. This was like the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, anyway, well, take care. Good to see <laughs> Where you. Where you going from it? Thank you, man. That means a lot. That's very kind of you. Thank you. But one thing I was thinking is, oh, yeah, because you did, like, you're a fucking worker, man. Like, I forget, like, you did... So many pilots and so many fucking. Yeah. You did like comedy, comedy blabs. Did you do a comedy blab? Blabs. I did a blab, and I think I did a beep or whatever they called them on the BBC. You did the warm up guy. Yeah. The warm up guy. Yeah. I wow, remember yeah, the warm up yeah. guy. Yeah. I remember yeah. The warm up guy yeah. was great. Yeah. It was, but you know, it's that weird thing of like doing enough stuff, and you know, similar to you, like you, you, you sort of you do enough stuff that you learn on the job, right? Where you, mm. the, I left school. Without any qualifications, I didn't really know how the industry works. So most of my stuff that I learned was through being on other people's sets and how scripts mm. are written, and you know, and also a lot of failure, like a lot of things that didn't work. It's weird. But as soon as Merlin Successful came out, you're like, oh, right, this guy's not overnight success because on a wanky, but but like, felt no, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, because yeah. people hadn't seen all the other stuff. They're yeah, like, yeah. who's this guy? And you're like, I've been drafted. Yeah. yeah, in the background. Just yeah. some sort of like little little projects here and there. So it's a weird thing of like that that becoming something that had, um yeah sort of launched you. But it's 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 really weird now because as well we live in such a weird time where no one's prepared to necessarily put those hours. In. Everyone wants their first sitcom to be them as a lead, or everyone wants to be mm. front and center. And you know you'd work for a long time with different people. You learn the craft, and I think that's a really important education to have in our industry. I think like, and I think that works alongside you know i remember when i saw super bob it was so such a brilliant piece of work and it was sort of something that you were experimenting with you'd gone out and grafted to find yourself but you clearly worked on other stuff long enough to realize what the abcs of what, what made things work and i think that's really people aren't necessarily ready to do that when i speak to like i say i do work with charity work for people who come in and, and trying to get into this industry and everyone wants to go oh i want to buy a sitcom and you're like actually mm. you know i've worked with two or three people who've had those straight off the bat and I don't necessarily mm. think it's a healthy thing. No, not at all. One thing I'm, I always want to ask you about, because I'm so fascinated, is like from my small experience in the industry, it's sort of always been like, the, it, particularly when you're pitching something or trying to sell something or things that work on TV, if you can explain it in a simple line, you know, 
if you can boil it down to that, that's that's going to work. And I'm always like so amazed and impressed and sort of wonder how the fuck it happened that Murder and Successful not only got made, <laughs> that it won awards, that it was successful, because it's fucking brilliant. It's amazing. And it's the most complicated, <laughs> like, sell. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, it's hard to even describe to someone what it is. And the fact that you pulled that off and it's so great, I'm like, how did you pitch that? I just don't understand. It's so complicated. It was one of those things, I think it got people's interest because it was so convoluted. And in the end, it was me, Avril, James and Andy. We, we got some... Because it got turned down by everyone until the BBC right. picked it up. And the BBC were like intrigued by it. I think I'd done bits on the Morgana show and, and I was doing okay as a stand-up. So I think they were interested enough to go, what projects have you got? And that was the main one. And I... I'd sort of thrown everything into that. So I wasn't really ever getting offered leads. I was always getting offered, you know, big doofus in the background or a sort of smelly best mate <laughs> or builder. So I thought, smelly this is the only thing. And, um, we need a smelly best mate. Is uh, Tom available? <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. No, at the time, it was me, Nick Helm and Joe Wilkinson would often be sitting <laughs> in a casting room. And uh, more often than not, Nick, Nick Helm would get that part. But, um, <laughs> How smelly does pretty... he have to be? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Nick was mid-smelly, Joe was least smelly, and then I was the real fucking... You were big smelly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good film, actually, Three Stinky Bears. Um, but, um, so, yeah, BBC gave us some money, and we just shot, shot some of it. And it was a great way of just saying, oh, is this going to work? And mm. Is it going to start? We did, like, weirdly as well, we did a read-through for it, which felt insane. Like, doing a read-through. What, like, and you improvise around the table? We, the you know, the mad thing, right, is we did. We had Mark Wright who did it and then later came on the show. We didn't improvise enough. We were actually, it became a scripted read-through. And it was, uh, that was when ITV, ITV passed on it at that point. Yeah. And then um, I think we shot like two or three scenes of it and then we shot a pilot. And that's a really good thing, right? I mean, you, yourself, I, I think, again, shoot, like when we shot, we shot like a taster and that was like, oh, kind of, that, that bit kind of mm. works. And then when we shot the pilot, you're like, oh, actually this works, but that doesn't. And it it grew sort of quite sort of organically and quite slowly. but. Yeah, still like I find it insane. I remember like when we yeah, when Will Arnett and Mark Formal came to yeah. speak to us, and, and hearing, hearing like them chatting on podcasts about it with Adam McKay, you're like fucking hell, it's mad. Like these are the people that I grew up. Like Will Arnett, arguably is one of my favorite comedy actors. I think he's an incredible actor just in general. And for him to take that idea and, and run with it and, and do something with it is fucking. It's yeah, it's pretty fucking pretty fucking cool, right? You know, it's like, wow, amazing, isn't it? Like that. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I want to know about is. You're on tour now, right? You just started yeah. the tour. Is this your first yeah. tour? Yeah, yeah, first tour. Tell me everything. How is it? How are you doing? How are you enjoying it? Where it's mad. How long? Mad, everywhere, all over the UK. It's insane because it was like, yeah. I mean, it's a weird thing, like, yeah, to get deep. My daughter was born. Get deep. And deep. And then my, my God, like, so I, I, at school, I was dyslexic. I had ADHD, which is everyone knows now. But, um, and I couldn't read and write until I was quite old. And my godmother was yeah. a teacher and she'd sort of, used to take extra classes and sort of pushed me into, I guess, being a bit more sort of deep thinking, educated than I probably I would have been. And I think she was quite a sort of strong role model within my life. And she passed away just sort of in the back of when my daughter was born after about six months. And it was a weird yeah, thing. I so, Yeah, but no, but I mean, it's, it's life, right? And um, and it was a weird thing of like my daughter being born and her passing away. And I kind of was like, as it sounded, I was sort of, it would seem like a weird thing never, ever like I put off, I, I generally stand up became really quite toxic for my mental health. I found it really hard really? in the basis that I always wanted it to be perfect. And I was like, we'd go out and sometimes I'd die. And sometimes, yeah, and that's just the nature mm. of the beast. But I got into a really anxious place where 
I've felt there's so much rested on every gig. I could be doing a gig, say for James Gill, who's you know one of our yeah, best friends and someone I adore, and I'd be like doing a gig for him in front of a really nice crowd and think, if this goes badly, I might never work again. It's an insane wow. school of thought I got into. So it sort of then just was like, I can't do it anymore. And then when that happened, I was a bit like, you know what, actually, it's not that big. It's like everything else that was going on in my life. I felt actually just going out and, and James, again, was and Flo and Ramesh were amazing to sort of give that confidence. And, and uh, for quite a while, I was just literally going out for James doing all this big comedy. I was literally just going and keep, and he was, that was the only gig I'd always kept doing because I found James, someone who always, you know, I mean, when I first started out, it was a very strange thing to sort of come at, you know, I was sort of coming up to 30. I was a scaffolder. I was sort of turning up at places. I wasn't necessarily the zeitgeist, the person that was around. I sort of, I think that's one of the things I loved about you. I was, I think some people judge were quite easy to sort of label you. And I think Pete, I was never really that guy. James Gill, for example, was someone who always felt like gave me gigs and, and it was always very, you know, always honoured me to do more. From there, I just felt that support really to sort of go out and, and try it. And, and it's been the best thing I've ever done. I, I'm, mm. I'm loving it. To be out, and you know, you're doing it yourself. At the moment. To be out on stage and yeah. me and you have been very fortunate to, to have written stuff and you know, people watch it through the television. That's amazing. But to actually be out there and hear people laughing and yeah. have that bond with an audience is, is pretty incredible. Money. It's magic, isn't it? It is fucking magic. At the end of the day, it's actually fucking magic. Well, it is, mate. It's like a wand you have. <laughs> well, it's just so easy with that. I don't want to give the end of your show away. But, um... <laughs> Uh, that's why people leave very quickly at the end. They leave very quickly and suddenly at the end. Oh, God, I can't believe he's got that out. <laughs> I mean, it's just strange. Yeah. It's such a, yeah. Not like, even sort of joked about through the whole show and then just out He didn't of even just sort of mention it, just did it. And uh, yeah, I mean, some people enjoyed it, but uh, other people thought there should have been some sort of. I warning, wouldn't but, yeah. rush to see him again or I'd leave at the interval. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wouldn't recommend, not for everyone. I'd certainly say not for everyone, but there will be a niche crowd for that. Is your show stories? Is it all sorts of stuff? Is there one big theme? Is it a thing? Or is it just no, all it's sorts stories. of things? Yeah, I, I think it's just stuff that I cobbled together that I found funny. Um, <laughs> good. I just, okay, so you know what, what was lovely was the, uh, is that work in progress time, right? Is yeah, that the you're best. going up there and you're throwing shit at the wall and, and sometimes sticks and sometimes yeah. doesn't. And, uh, Stuff, weirdly stuff that I thought was like, oh, this won't work. But it, and then there was stuff that I'd spent weeks on trying to make work and never would. And yeah, man, and, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I think it's very indic- indicative of who I am. I think it's, yeah. it feels like, yeah, this feels like as a first tour of it, sort of, I feel very happy with it. It feels like it gets to different parts of my character, self deprecating and silly. And yeah, it's not taking it too seriously. Tom. Yeah. Fuck. I've forgotten to tell you something. Go on. No, oh god, it's so bad because oh, you really, I really feel like you're, you're sort of like riding a wave. You know what I mean? Like it's going good. I feel sick telling you this. I forgot to tell you it. I don't want to. I would hate to sort of be sort of a, a negative, and maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't. Depends on your point of view. But um, I should have said it earlier before we sort of got into all this. Ah, oh, Tom, you've died. You're dead. Oh wow. Dead. So you're you're like my Clarence. That's my guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, I'm your Clarence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wow! Except there's no coming back. So this isn't even like. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so shit. Yeah, that was just all a big ruse. <laughs> so it's like it's a wonderful life, but 
It, yeah. Have a look. You have a look, but you ain't going back. Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I'm doing up there is I'm going to go and fucking see it, find that liar, James Stewart. Give him a fucking slap. <laughs> uh, how, how did you die? I was shot, which was, yeah. What happened, man? Uh, just a, yeah, say, a sort of case of mis- <laughs> misidentification. So sort of someone thought I was a gangbanger, but I actually wasn't. Um, yeah, I was just walking down the street. So, oh, yeah, it's that big guy who beat you up. And uh, yeah, they thought it was Stephen Merchant yeah. or yeah. Uh, or Greg, Greg Davis. <laughs> Steve Stephen Merchant beat him up weeks before. Yeah, no, that was it, man. That's not actually he was heavier set than Steve Merchant. That was the guy actually. Now I think about it. <laughs> oh, the guy from King Gary. Yeah, why are you American? Uh, <laughs> shot dead. One shot. Pow. Three. Three shots. First one got my really? leg. Tried to a bit like you know like like Ricky in uh, Boys and Hood. Right. When he's oh, running God. down the alley, first of all, gets yeah. his leg, then he gets in the back twice. Yeah. Cries in the back. Uh, it was so morbid. Even though it's just yeah. a film. I actually felt like I was talking about someone we both like, like Ricky, yeah. you know? From, um, yeah, Ricky Yeah. <laughs> it's tragic. Still, when, I'm, like, when I've watched that, I find that, that moment, you know, when he's walking down and he's sort of, uh, uh, Cuba's just going to the shop and he does that. Ricky! I think it's one of my favourite, yeah, it's just, like a good good mention in dispatches. Do you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. What is in the hood? Do you worry about death, Tom Davis? Yeah, I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, go on. I think having children, I think I think having children makes you really consider it more, I think. In the sense that... Because you're like, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, as soon as you... I don't want her to see me. As soon as you sort of could start remembering me, I'd rather that, yeah, I was just the character that they could show on television. <laughs> Like showing like little clips of Paddington too and go, oh, no, he was a yeah. good man. Um, <laughs> Here he uh, is with a bear. He's loving, look at him. Yeah. <laughs> this big statue of me in a cemetery. God, was he really that big? <laughs> yeah, no, he was. He was a big old boy. He was. Um, he was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, it, it makes you think about it. I think you, you become more, and I, I'm naturally a hypochondriac. And, and being shot would be an easier way to, to get out of things than yeah, like a long I fucking battle. It's a horrible disease, you know. Because that, you know, that would, you know, I know it sounds really bad. I'd find that yeah. really hard if, like, me and you, we were doing always be comedy. And I was really frail and you had to sort of help me oh, out the stairs. God. I'd, I'll, <laughs> do you know what? Why don't we make this pact? If, if it ever gets to that, I'll shoot you in the leg and twice in the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be such a good killing. <laughs> just going to the police yeah I did it he was frail and I had to help him up the stairs I did, it was no, no, and you know what go back 10 years listen to the podcast we did together <laughs> it's like an old mission that yeah, no, he says it on that podcast oh fair enough cool. yeah 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 10 years ago that's what you're giving yourself listen to the podcast we did 10 <laughs> years ago he got yeah, suddenly yeah. very frail <laughs> it's, oh, it's genuinely tra- oh, fucking tragic but stick man <laughs> what what do you think happens when you die you know what this is a, I always think I don't, I'm not a big believer in God and, and the afterlife in a sense, but then also I think of it a bit like, you know, like when you're like when you're looking forward to holiday all year round, right? It's yeah. shit to think of a shit holiday that's, you know, actually sort of, yeah, oh, we're, gonna, we're not going away this year, we're staying at home, we're going to have two weeks off and just stay in the house and just lurk about the house. I think it's much better if you've got something to look forward to. Like, oh, fucking hell, we're all going to Marbella. And like, yeah. I think that's what the afterlife should be. If it doesn't exist, it, you, you, you've lost nothing. No one's going to think you're a prick because they don't know either. Yeah. But the idea of actually going, essentially, death is Las Vegas, I think is a better thing or to Marbella. be looking forward to. Yeah. So you're saying if, if there is an afterlife, it's like going to Marbella. 
And if there isn't, it's like lurking around your house for two weeks. Yeah. Well, that's essentially what you're doing. It's lurking around a hole in the ground, isn't you? Yeah. God. Unless you're a ghost. In the, you know. Yeah. I think being a ghost is almost the worst one. I think so too. That's interesting. Go on. I just don't think this. I think, you know, when people talk about ghosts and they're going, oh, you know, it's, it's a cold, miserable sort of ghost. I'm like, mm. of course they're fucking miserable. They've got no interaction. Apart from other pricks who've died. Essentially, yeah. that is like, you know what? Being dead and being a ghost, right? So being dead and going to heaven is like going to Marbella, right? Yeah. Being dead and just leaving lying in the ground is like, that's basically just fucking staying Christmas, at home. Christmas right? about going away, yeah. Being dead and being a ghost is like, remember like on New Year's Eve and you wanted to go into like the Sky Lounge in Leicester Square or something, <laughs> but you couldn't get in because you, you were in a group of fucking four other mates, all sad losers like yeah. you were. <laughs> so it was like, sorry, no, no blokes on their own. So you just had to lurk around Leicester Square, just fucking like looking for a bar that might take you in. That's fucking being a ghost for the rest of your just, life. Just queuing yeah. outside all bar one at yeah. two in the morning yeah. on New Year's Day. <laughs> Not that where you're going to go until you find a clip joint that takes fucking all your money. It's like, <laughs> essentially, that's yeah. being a fucking ghost. It's constantly just looking at the party and never being able to dance. Christ. It's... God, you really need to take care of all your business before I shoot you in the leg and twice in the back because I don't want that for you. I want you going to my mayor, I really do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just summing it up. Well, Brett Goldstein's coming up here. Oh, I'll read for the gates. You have a right good laugh up here, mate. <laughs> they got Lineker's, they got everything. <laughs> Even though Wayne Lineker's seen us both out, he's still alive. <laughs> okay, well, good news. There is a heaven, and it's just like Marbella in all the good ways. And let's face it, there aren't any bad ones, but it's filled with your favourite things. What's your favourite thing? What, my favourite thing in the world? Uh, my daughter would probably be the, my favourite thing, but I'd, I'd say that, yeah, uh, I'd want her to have a bit more of an innings than me. So I'd probably go with, um, I think food would probably be my favourite thing. All right, well, there's food fucking everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, it's just ladles of food. It's like a sort of, you know, a food court in a mall. <laughs> But like, that would be my heaven. It's fucking everywhere. The <laughs> seats are like court. giant tacos. Like everything is made of food. It's food. Just <laughs> taking you around heaven on your first time. They've got everything here. They've got a Wendy's. They've got a KFC. They've got a McDonald's, mate. They've got a Toby Carvery. They've got everything here, mate. Nando's. Three Nando's here, mate. Uh, honestly, look at that plate. See how big that plate is? You can put anything you want on that. Anything yeah, you want. That's one of the small plates, Brett, mate. <laughs> And I've caught up with you 10 years. I'm like, is this all, is this all you've been doing? You're like, oh, I've come yet. It's yeah, fucking brilliant. I've, I, mate, I've not even been out of this bit. I know there's other stuff going on, other people's head, but this is just mine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yes, yeah, so there's food everywhere. And there's also some people there, some like walking hot dogs, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> so it's like that Seth Rogen movie. The, uh... Yeah, Sausage Party. Yeah, yeah, Sausage Party. <laughs> Everyone's well excited to see you. They want to talk to you about your life, but they want to talk to you about your life through film. The first thing they ask you is, what's the first film you remember seeing, Tom Davis? You know, the first film, Mr. Sausage Person, that I remember seeing, <laughs> uh, the Swiss, uh, there's a Swiss Family Robinson movie, right? Yes. Um, which was made in about, I think it's about 90, like 60, it's one of those old 60s movies. Disney, like a, Disney. Yeah, it's like a kind of Disney, it's quite old, it's like a bit, I remember basically, near, near to our house growing up, there was a, a video shop called Joyce's Video Shop. It was like sort of yeah. almost pre-blockbuster, and she had about 10 videos in. So there was that, uh, one called The Cross and the Switchblade, which is about a guy called Nicky Cruz, um, who's like a street thug. <laughs> and I just remember there's a bit in it, God loves you, Nicky Cruz. Um, 
But my mum said it was too violent to watch. So we used to take Swiss Family Robinson, and it was quite a sort of. They all got shipwrecked, ended up on the this mm. little island, and as a family, and it sort of. But then they had this big fight with some pirates at the end, and I haven't yeah. seen it for years. So I sort of, yeah, it's actually really, from what I remember, you know, from if I go back and sort of almost get back into my sort of seven year old head or whatever, it's a ten year old head. I don't know what it been. That's the first film, yeah. But then it's weird, isn't it? Because you get flashes of like Guns of Navarone yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Have you got siblings? I've got a sister. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you watch this together? Yeah. Is, is she older or younger? Yeah, we'd watch it as a family on a Saturday night. We'd, we'd usually sort of sit down and have a bit of tea. And it was, sort of, and like I say, she didn't have many films, did old Joyce. Uh, she, it was one of those shops that sold wool and uh, <laughs> rented out videos. <laughs> <laughs> she had like 10 videos, right? And you'd go in and go, my dad would go, all right, what's this one like? And she'd go, I haven't seen that one. Well, there's 10 fucking films here. Right, you've got 10 things to watch. Give a fucking review. Do you know what I mean? She had the same 10 films up until I was Joyce about 16. Like, I'm busy. I'm busy making <laughs> yeah. wool. I ain't got time for all these. I'm busy fucking shaving these sheep. I've got time to watch films. <laughs> these sheep aren't going to shave themselves, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, do you want wool or a video? What are you in for? Yeah. Well, they're both things, Joyce. <laughs> I've got to do some Watch the cross and the switchblade. <laughs> Uh, but it's also, it's that throwback of, like, I used to love that sort of, still do, really. I, I, if I'm on, sitting in on a Sunday, one of that sort of old school sort of films, that, look, everything's really bright. You know what yeah, I mean? it's like, so bright. Kind of, yeah, yeah, and there's no sort of blood in it, and yeah. it just feels very wholesome. And they're all, all made in a studio, clearly. All yeah. Made in studio, <laughs> like, fake I do remember that. there was this incredible water slide that was a bit like the one in the Goonies, oh, like in, in it. Yeah, that they make, they they essentially remember like the Prince of Thieves where yeah. he turns that wood into this amazing base. They sort of did a shittier version on this island there, right? Which yeah, I sort of thought, oh, I'd love to go there on holiday. Um, I love that. We used to go to the sort of water palace in Pearly and pretend it was Swiss Family Robinson. What was that called? Fantasies. I think it got turned into a nightclub. But it was called yeah, it's the one that everyone used to go to and say that there was uh, razor blades in the water. Razor blades in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, don't go down there. Don't go down the big time, mate. It's razor blades in yeah. that. I cut you open. Uh, yeah, <laughs> weird that, that when you think about it, the weird that they were open with all these razor blades. The insane in thing that you'd be able to go, like, you got your razor blades, yeah, go down, I'll through and see if you could stop yourself and push it in. And also, that if it was true, that there would just be hundreds of children just sliced in half, bleeding in the pool. The pools would just yeah, be yeah. red. There'd just be yeah. half kids everywhere. You'd have, you'd have noticed. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's really scary. I remember being scared of it. Awful thing, just leaving like a water palace, just like tapped to rivers. Yeah. <laughs> See you next week. Yeah, hopefully it's a bit, yeah. little bit easier next week. Sorry, I, I don't want to complain. <laughs> Far be it for me to complain, but I, I think, could someone say about taking them razor blades that are in all the, all the, all the slides out? No, none of my business. Anyway, see you next week. Yeah, or just having one of the slides that has razor blades and sort of letting <laughs> everyone know which one it is. Because I mean, I don't want to ruin everyone else's fun. Just in case there are people are into that. <laughs> You'd want it in the black hole, the dark one. So when you come right, out, you don't know what's happened. Then you come out and everyone's cut to ribbons. Yeah. That is quite cool. I remember trying to show off to a girl by going down there and absolutely shitting myself all the way down. Absolutely <laughs> terrified. <laughs> Coming out of the bottom, being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah I was so why fucking are you Yeah. <laughs> Where are your trunks? <laughs> Two of the bigger boys took them off me at the top. Said I went faster if I went naked. Uh, they were right as well. I went well faster. <laughs> yeah, I flew down there. <laughs> what is the film 
that scared you the most? Do you like being scared, Tom well, Davis? This is, I'm, I can't watch horror films. I get terrified. Oh, really? This is a weird one, actually, because, um, obviously, yeah, talk about, so I remember going to a girl's, uh, a food podcasting, learn not to say people's names because you'll be careful of that. Yeah. So, went to a girl I had a massive crush on when I was about 13, I reckon, 12, 13. I went to her house to watch some films. So, we watched The Exorcist. And I remember sort of sitting there and she was really into it. She'd sort of stolen it from my mum and dad and we sort of sat in the bedroom watching it. I was so, I watched the whole thing with my eyes closed. She took uh, off all the lights and she was like, oh my God, and I was like, oh, it's so scary. Like, <laughs> sitting there with my eyes closed, just thinking, oh God, this is fucked And you know what? Weirdly, that film's scarier if you just listen to it. If you watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I can believe that. Yeah. It's quite a scary listen. So I, for you, I've never even watched Watched it myself all the way through. It wasn't the same thing as well. I was actually just, this is my Like, years later, at Blackpool, right, they've got this weird haunted house. I don't know if you've ever been to it. And it's full of, like, people doing, like, Freddy Krueger. There's a Freddy Krueger. Oh, right, yeah. I've done something like that, yeah. Yeah, so you walk through this, it's like an immersive experience. And people, actors jump out at you. Yeah. And there was, like, a, uh, I remember in there, there was a girl, like, the girl from The Exorcist sitting in a bed, and you go in, and she's sitting there, and then she just leaps up, and it's like, Crazy, but there was a guy who jumped out of you like Freddy Krueger. And I always remember we were going around, it was sort of like me and my missus, and there was this sort of like bloke, quite a sort of big, like northern fella with his two young daughters. And as we're walking around, he's sort of they're terrified, these two. They're too young to go into this. Yeah. He shouldn't have brought them, it was his bad. And he's like, All right, we'll be out of here in a minute. And as as we came into his room, this guy leapt out behind him dressed as Freddy Krueger and went, <laughs> he just turned around and fucking whacked him. No. In defence of his daughters. And then yeah. the guy playing Freddy Krueger went, oh, for fuck's sake, Jenny, two years at Rava for this. And he, was, well, he realised the whole thing was just ruined for everyone. But he was a trained actor. And you think, oh, bless oh, him. No. Like, you know, that was his oh, fucking no. moment, moment to scare everyone. And this Norman, this Norman, so I'm fucking sorry. I shouldn't have brought these two. Fucking bloody punch beam in the face. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah. When worlds collide. <laughs> Oh, God. So tragic. Oh, right, kid. You know, May Martin, uh, we we went to Universal Haunted Halloween. Halloween, Nights oh, of bet, Terror. I bet that's a big one. It's fucking great. And they have, like, haunted mazes where it's like that, where you walk through, and things jump out of you, people jump out of you. And there is footage... <laughs> me and May, we were with a group of people and they went, you you go in front. And so we're walking through this maze. It's really loud. And then things pop out of the wall and jump out of you. And there's one bit of me and Mavis were walking through a corridor and a thing jumped out the side of the wall. Ah! And I, like May was a bomb, I picked May up and threw them into a wall and like <laughs> jumped on top of them. And I went, Mavis! <laughs> like, I, like I would protect them by throwing them into a wall. I've got you. You're a... <laughs> I've got you smashed into the wall. My face! Blood coming through your head. <laughs> Quick, go down this slide. <laughs> anyway, so you don't like it's interesting. What about crying? What's the film that made you cry the most? Are you a crier? I am, yeah. You know, recently, the one that really got to me was A Star is Born. Oh, yeah. It's a great film. I, I loved it. I think it's a really great film. I went with my wife. So my wife had done, we did, we love, we love films. So it's a big part of our relationship, like films and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try now with Grace's here. We try to once a week watch a movie together, like whether it's, you know, so new or not, whatever. And um, 
So she'd been though. You remember Star is Born was a bit like Barbie. There was groups of big groups of women going. It was like she went right. with mates and a sort of like a Hindu vibe, which sort of yeah. ruined it for everyone else. Um, anyway, uh, we <laughs> Woo, he's pissing himself. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> Tom does that. Um, <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> So I was worried about me that I am Bradley Cooper's character. Um, but then we, uh, so anyway, we went to watch it. Anyway, she, just before the bit, the bit when Bradley Cooper sort of, I mean, are we, we're allowed spoilers on here? Well, I mean, it feels... We can say spoiler. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to yeah, spoil it. Yeah, when Bradley Cooper sort of commits suicide, there's, she got up and she she got out because she knew it was quite a sad thing coming. So she left me standing there. I standing, I wasn't standing, I was sitting there, I wasn't standing. <laughs> so I was standing, like, shut down, mate. Fuck off. I'm enjoying this. Like I'm at a football game. Can we all be upstanding? This is very good. <laughs> You're watching West Ham. Mate, we're attacking at the moment. Chill out. We should all stand. I should have stand in cinemas. <laughs> stand up. If you like Star is Born, stand up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like sitting there. Yeah. And next to me is another guy and then his wife is next to him. So this guy's sitting next to me and... um when Bradley Cooper, that thing happens with Bradley Cooper, yeah. I just went, oh, fucking hell. And I, I had tears. I was like, really, yeah. it hit me. And the guy next to me, I looked around, and he was equally as sad. And yeah. then he just, I'd never met this man before, and he just gently put his hand on my arm and just went, fucking hell, wait. And I was like, like that. I don't know, I'd never, it was a really beautiful moment between the two of us. And then Catherine came back, and I like, touch that guy. And I was like, fucking, I was like, number one, why did you leave? Just as you know, Bradley yeah. Cooper's going to fucking die. She was sad, it was, you know. I just wanted to get back. It's, you know, oh, the rest of the film's not going to be a fucking walk in a, it's not, it's not, not the end of Wizard of Oz now, is it? It's fucking deal, deal with the ramifications of what's happened. Like, like fucking Lady Gaga's in bits now. You're like, you left me, you left me, and I've moved on. I've moved on to a sensitive man who what's your name, mate? look after me. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw his wife looking like quite disturbed. But yeah, I was I found it really, and it stayed with me for like a week or so after. I found, I think it was like, you know, I thought it was actually brilliantly done that actually. I thought within the film it was a really amazing it's a very important subject matter, obviously, one that we're all talking about a lot more now. But I found it a very it was one of those moments and I think that's you know, you know when something you see something quite amazing when it stays with yeah. you, you think about it every day, and you quiet moments, you're like fucking hell. And yeah. like, you know, yeah, I think sometimes when you know, mental health wise, when you can get to a low place, it's actually quite an important piece of work where you actually realise actually the ramifications of an act. Like, and I've, you know, friends have sadly done that. And, and uh, you, yeah, so I think you find that thing of just being like, okay, fucking, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. And I thought actually, as, as, yeah, that was one that really got me. Yeah. You know, it's right. I, lo- I love your new, your new husband. Fucking hell, boy. <laughs> I love that. How did you both meet? Um, well, uh, I don't remember Star is Born with Bradley Cooper kills himself. We were both. Yeah, no spoilers. Yeah, but by the end, we were just French kissing. Uh. <laughs> what well, is the film that is not critically acclaimed? Most people don't like it, but you love it unconditionally. I think everyone else. Do you mean that. like. Because so I love, I'm a real penchant for um, shit films. Yeah. So one of mine is Samuel Cop. And it's. This <laughs> is, have you ever seen it? I just love the title. Tell me everything. It's probably one of the worst. Like, it's... Me and my wife have watched it hundreds of times. It's really... It's like... A di- you'd only get on DVD. And it's just... It's it's been made by 
you know, like we have these guys now over in this country make these films and sort of like, you know, yeah, I'm making a film a minute, I'm fucking directing it and I'm fucking producing it, I've put all the money up. Sort of one of those. And it's kind of trying to be, I guess, like there's an element of sort of lethal weapon and an element of, uh, I want to send you a copy because I do generally think you'd enjoy it, um, element of Rambo, you know, that sort of 80s vibe. But it's really bad. Like they've, there's bits in it they've shot like the same scene, a scene, and they've shot it for five or six different days. So people's singles are in different. Like it's like genius, like as a comedian sitting watching because you're like, you know, like they're clearly in a Chinese restaurant and they're in a sort of downtown cafe somewhere in LA. <laughs> and it's just, uh, and the guy's hair changes throughout the movie. He's had his hair shaved off, so he has to wear this weird wig and. The fight scene. There's one bit where they're in a helicopter, and it's like, um, you can't jump from here. And you can clearly see that they're on the ground. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's brilliantly awful. But it's um, great. and I, yeah, I just find stuff like I find I genuinely find that stuff like that. Just I love watching stuff that's just a bit shit. The rumor, like yeah. for example, or whatever. But mm. stuff that's just because there's a part of me that thinks, you know, when we started out and you would go and you mm. do a gig, there was a guy. I don't know. Well, I can say his name. You bleep it out. But I don't know if you remember. I forgot about. We must cut his name up at bleep. Yeah. <laughs> He'd been like an open mic guy oh my going God. back, back like ten years before me and you even started, yeah. right? And I remember thinking, I remember chatting to him, and I remember I probably had my first paid spot somewhere. And I remember mm. like I've got a paid spot this weekend, and him being like, "Oh yeah, I've never been paid for a gig," and I was like, well, "You've been going for like you know, 13, 14 <laughs> years." Like, and he was like, "I just enjoy it. I just think it's kind of cool mm. to go out." And that's what I get from it. And I was like, fuck, actually, maybe maybe he's got it right. Like, he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, like, you're just, so right. Yeah. He was on no mission. He just enjoyed yeah. it. And he, he was lovely. He enjoyed going out doing open mics. And there was no, like, yeah. you know, me and you, it became a career. And probably, you know, we were similar at time. And we are like, oh, fuck, this is... But with him, I was like, oh, shit, man. Like, And when I watch films like that, I'm like, it feels a bit like, actually you know, kind of guys that sort of get down to the gym or whatever, or they're, they're making something that actually, they're actually really enjoying the process. There's a film, there's, yeah, a, film, yeah, there's yeah. a British sort of version called Gatwick Gangsters, which is, again, it's just like a group of people have, like, have made a film. Yeah. These, these Didn't they have like, Harvey Keitel in it, Gatwick Gangsters? <laughs> Didn't they get Harvey Keitel? <laughs> He'd written it. He'd done a day part of it. What? What the fuck? What is this? Um, uh, it, but it was like a... Um, yeah, I love those. I think there's no end, yeah, there's no end game. They're, they're not yeah. like you know, me and you are writing, you know, we're we're very fortunate in what we do. You're writing it to hopefully do make something that people can enjoy, sit and watch. The idea of just sitting there and making something that no one's ever gonna see or no one's ever gonna watch, mm-hmm. apart from you and the people in it, I think it's kind of sort of uplifting. I think it's just like it's a bit of a hobby. I saw a film. I don't know if I've talked about this on a podcast before. I was once, I won't say, I'll try and leave out details, right? But I, but once, and I would never do it again because I didn't enjoy it at all. I was asked to be like a, a, on a panel for like an awards thing for film. Yeah. And it was like picking the nominees for a, for a certain kind of film. And I watched so many films and they were all really boring, very serious, very depressing, kind of dull, hard work films that like, you know, feel like vegetables. Really, like, I'm sure this is good for you, but fuck me, it's boring. And within the mix of these films was this terrible, as in kind of objectively terrible film that a guy had made on his own that that was kind of like a sci-fi thriller, but like badly shot, badly acted. There's like clearly a scene where he's hired a sex worker to, to strip him on the film. And there's like all sorts of, it's like mad, but it was so entertaining. And I, so I was watching it and I was like, 
this hour and a half has flown by, regardless, <laughs> yeah, but... compared to all these films that I've watched that have been so boring and hard work. This film that, yes, kind of technically is technically quite bad. I was like, maybe this is amazing because I'm not even like laughing. I'm not like going, you fucking idiot. I'm like, I'm really entertained. Yeah. Like, this is great. This is fun. This is like something's happening here that is really entertaining. And I'm like, which is the best film? It's like escapism, isn't it? For a bit, it's just like, oh, fuck it. Like, I'm not going to think about why the problems. And like, yeah. So Samurai Cop is, I think, it's just perfectly. Awful. It's really worth <laughs> if, if you can get a copy of it. I've got two All copies right. of it just in case one falls. Oh, thanks, man. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what a great answer. All right. Well, on the other hand, what's a film that you used to love? You loved it so much. You watched it recently and it does not hold up. Incredible yeah. Journey. Incredible oh, journey. no. The original or the new one? The original. With the Monday Day Fox. The original. Really? Look, I, so that was a film, you know, like you'd have a yeah. sick day from school. You'd, you'd stay yeah. off, you'd have a bit of a tummy ache, your mum would sort of do her best to look after you, you know, between, you know. This is, can I just check, this is the third film from Joyce's 10. It's The, cro- the Cross and the <laughs> Sword. Swiss Valley Rock. No, 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 no. Switch Blade and the Sword. No, Swiss Blade and the Cross. Yeah. Swiss Valley Rock said an incredible journey. Right, if okay. you had a day off, yeah, you had a dicky tummy, or yeah, you're a bit yeah. sick. Your mum would go, "Oh, well, I can't get the incredible." And the incredible journey was the thing you'd see. And I, I have these memories of it being like this amazing film that was sort of uplifting mm. and incredible. It's about friendship. It's you know. And then I sort of sat because Grace loves dogs. I thought, you know what? I'll have a little blast from the past. Stick this on. I got off and through it. She wasn't interested. She walked off, and I was like, "This is awful." I don't, Why? you know. I don't know. It, it just is not as. It's actually, number one. It's a really boring journey when you sit back and watch, go back and watch it. Right? <laughs> the boring journey. The boring journey. Just get a cab. Um, <laughs> the guy's voice uh, commentating on commentating. Um, commentating on. And here they go. Uh, the uh, the cat is trying to catch. Um, oh, and they're the racing river, it. A river there. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck to him. The, 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 yeah, but the cat. You know. And uh, do you know what? When I sit and watch it. Hang on, for those who've never seen it, it's about a dog, two dogs and a cat trying to cross yeah. America What's to an old find dog? their own. There's a really, there's a thirsty, eager dog. There's a cat. Yeah. Who, when you watch it, that it's actually really, the, the lead dog clearly is very happy he's got a part in the film. The yeah. cat can't be fucking asked. He, he, he can see that the owners are up for it more than he is. He's been, and the old one can't be bothered. It's like, you know, like yeah. when you watch the last days of a great performer's fucking career, like an old footballer who's just got, you know, he's just phoning yeah. it in a Oh, that's what the dog feels like. I'd like to actually look at the dog's IMDb and see if he's been anything else. Like on set, just turning around and going, well, obviously, Gullivan's Travels tra- tra- is a part there. It's uh, just, yeah. uh, the incredible journey was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Catering was awful. Um, yeah. This cold. Cat, we, were cold. Yeah, it we were cold. We were cold. One of those silver jackets on for most of the shoot. So why is it? It's boring. That's the problem. It's boring. It holds up I, as boring. I don't know. It, it, and also, I think I remembered it with such gusto. Yeah. I remembered it like in such an affectionate way. And I, it wasn't really until Grace was born. I was like, oh, stick this on. And like, I, I, I think, you know, I sat down to watch it just thinking this will be a moment of father and daughter. You know, this is one yeah. of my happiest memories of it. Wish I'd stuck on the cross and the switchblade, which was, yeah, she might have taken something away from it. Like, the street crime is bad. Uh, arguably, God is good. But, um, <laughs> uh, but instead, yeah, we, we sat, like I say, it's, um, yeah. I think she, yeah, it won't be so good. It won't be her poorly tummy film. 
funny okay. well what is the film that means the most to you not necessarily is the film itself is good but the experience you had around seeing the film will always make it special to you Tom Davis what is it what is it well is it? I think Brett Goldstein it would be great. Uh, the is it Bad Grandpa? The film with the Jackass film with right. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny Knoxville. We, me and Catherine went to watch that really early on in our relationship. Yeah. And have you ever seen it? It's actually I, 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 I've still seen. Now. Bit, I've seen some of it. I haven't seen nothing. So we we used to remember it. We used to probably watched it three times. But it's one of those things. Wherever like it will pop up on Amazon Prime or whatever or Netflix. Yeah, we'll we'll really chuckle because it was one of the first films that we went to as a couple to the cinema and really bonded over the. Just the, I, th- I think we shared the same sense of humor. It was one of those things as well that I think, as a big fan of film, and like I say, it was one of those things like, I, since stopping, dr- like, not really drinking now, it's like, you know, you're so, what, you, what are you going to do socially? Sort of, and film, going to the cinema is a big part of sort of, you know, our social lives and, and what we do as a couple. And, but I remember going to see that, and actually, the first, that was, that felt one of the first things that we saw that actually we both laughed loads at, and we both felt like it was. Uh... You know, okay, Jack. And we went back and watched all the Jackass films. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, it, it's a really, I don't know, I think it's really, really well done. I think Johnny Knoxville was amazing. I think the little boy, it's incredible. And it's sort of, I think, a really underrated thing within our industry of the actual, the, the, the ability, and other people try, but to sort of write a sort of narrative arc through a film and actually have sort of empathy towards a character mm. that you're shooting in front of real people. Like, as, Someone that, yeah, with murder successful and stuff that, like, for a long time, I was like, to really try and, like, when murder successful first died and we were starting talking about what would be a film that we'd want to make, I was always like, that, that, that there, I felt like, fucking hell, that must have been so, like, knowing how it worked with murder and, and that improvisational nature, watching that, I was like, with that kid who was incredible, the shock moments, and it all, I think I probably, in a way, enjoyed it more than something maybe even bore I think, just because I felt. The actual feeling that you got through it, it felt mm-hmm. like actually it was touchable. And actually the storyline was him having to spend time with his grandson and his daughter. And, and I don't know, it, I thought it was a really nice movie and just brilliant. As the set pieces that those, again, like, you know, I'm, I'm a comedy guy. I love comedy. It's my, I adore it. And when I was sitting and watch something that can make a fucking packed cinema piss their pants laughing, yeah. and it can be as pure as, you know, shitting yourself for a big fart that just yeah. turns into a guy shitting himself up a wall. I think it's a really special thing. And I think that's, uh, and it, yeah, it's something that I, do, I remember really, really affectionately. Like there's other films, The Star is Born or whatever else that have come along over the last 10 years that we, we sit and, and, you know, I've watched over and over again. But that one, I, I always think, yeah, that was that sort of cemented that sort of sense of humour that we still find funny in between it. It's lovely. It's lovely, Tom. I cry a What is the film you most relate to? There's a couple. I think, have you ever seen Fist Foot Way mm-hmm. with Danny McBride? Jody Hill. Yeah, his his first thing. Yeah, that when it came out, weirdly, as the char- lead character, Danny McBride is someone I look at as being, that's my Shakespeare in a lot of senses. Yeah. That's the guy that I look at when, when Danny McBride, when I first saw that movie, I was like, it's a really weird thing that I saw that just as I was making things like Warm Up Guy and I was first writing, I was first coming out of stand-up to, to write sort of, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was like, wow, fuck, like this, this guy's doing stuff that feels like, the characters that I find really, really funny, a world that, and he's never, and it's funny was always first with him, and, and you know, going on to Eastbound and Down, or Vice, Vice Principles is a work, work of absolute genius. Righteous Gems, I, I think, it, but that film, when I first saw it, and I then heard the story behind it, 
like in, in you know, much like your relationship when you made Super Bowl, but like mine and James's relationship, James Defon's relationship, I was always like, mm. fuck, that felt like really like the way that you guys had put this together as a director and a star and two writers felt like attainable for where I'm at in this industry and yeah. what I want to do. And, but also making a character that was arguably quite unlikable, but very, very lovable. You're like, this guy's, and he, I just think he, in how he makes stuff and how they make stuff, really like, they have such great identity with, with the working classes, whether that's in America or England. It just feels like they just get that nuance, just perfect. So that that film, when I saw it, I was like, look, there's, I love comedy movies. That's the film where I watched it. I was like, both as a creator, but also something about the guy in the middle of it, you know, is the main character in it. I was like, there's a lot of stuff that I can identify with as a character, a sort of guy struggling in his relationship at the time or struggling to be taken seriously. Did you say he's, unlo- he's unlikable but very lovable? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, that's such a brilliant way of putting it. Yeah, because it's the same as Kenny Powers. You sort of watch it and there's a lot of stuff that's not... And you know, it feels fucking, you know, very of now. And it's a, someone has just yeah. lost. And I think that's a really interesting thing to be able to convey. And I think that's the thing that when I watch... That's something, of, would you say, there's a bit of that in King Gary, isn't there? Like, like he's, yeah, incredibly love, he's incredibly lovable, but he's also a dickhead. <laughs> But you, but you really, really, really love it. Yeah, and all the people that I love that, and and I, you know, probably like you, like I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff that was the stuff that I really took inspiration from as a stand-up and as a writer mm-hmm. and, and program maker was always American. It was all stuff that mm-hmm. you know they seemed to be able to do that, and, and their characters seemed to be so much so better rounded. But actually, to because we have a real problem within society of people, you know, in, in some points in some cases yeah people are just shit but actually in a lot of when, when you're writing normal characters and normal people they're so conflicted by what is good and what is bad we all are in 2023 yeah. we're all trying to be as best person we can but there's so much fucking noise going on you're like what do i follow what do i you know it was far simpler as it's out as it says 10 15 years ago where actually you sort of almost be surrounded by people and you can cast your own opinions there's so many so much noise now and i think that actually making characters that feel off now and that is just people trying to be the best they can but mm. quite a lot of the time failing in that i think that's is a really and i think danny mcbride and jody hill did that better than anyone. and to be fair look, man your fucking wife does man you you get that so well you you You've always got that. That's what I loved. You know, Superbob did that so oh, well. God, here no, we no, go. but, no, but you do. You do it so well, man. It, it's and it's a real difficult. It's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. So that that would be the thing that I relate to the most. I think. Respect. Excellent. Excellent answer. Here's the question that everyone is here for. What's the sexiest film you've ever seen, Sam David? I think it. It's a classic, and everyone's probably. But Basic Instinct would probably be there. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, is that the one? Is that the one that everyone? No, but it is the one everyone should say. I'm sure. Your basic instinct was, you know, seminal. I remember, seminal. I remember like pirate copies of it leaking about the store, yeah. and uh, a boy called <laughs> had the best copy, and uh, he was like, uh, the least he kind of like, yeah. <laughs> Not by the time I got it, it was very warm now. But you know that, <laughs> that feeling of like it was like fucking Charlie Bucket with the the last golden ticket. I remember the day that you know. Someone slips over to him and there's basic instinct turn out with you and like literally being like, okay, right. And it'd be like someone gave me it and you think, right, well, I finished score at 320. I'll get the bus. Hopefully I'll get home by four. Uh, my, 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 my sister's going to someone's house to play. My mum doesn't get home till five. Well, dad, it's a lottery. It depends what, like, yeah, what job he's on at the moment. Do you know what I mean? But you had one VHS recorder in the fucking front room 
And it's a real, like, I need to get home. And, and uh, yeah, and <laughs> fast forwarding through it. All right, fucking, I'll just get on with the scene. Not wanting to miss anything. <laughs> just hoping that someone gives you codes. It was, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It was sort of... Um, fast forwarding through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plot, plot, plot. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, all right, I get it. I get it. She's not very nice. But actually, weirdly, the, the brunette woman's even worse. She seems to not, yeah. Um, <laughs> even that's terrible. But fucking, like, yeah. 25, 30 years later, whatever, I still can't fucking tell you what the plot what happens in that movie. I don't think I've ever watched it. <laughs> yeah, it's about um, yeah. Uh, a blonde, blonde woman. And, uh, I think she's got a shop, maybe. <laughs> uh, um, I think she works at Macy's. She's got, she's got a shop and she sits down <laughs> in the shop sometimes. She's <laughs> got the fella from Wall Street in. I think he's yeah, playing the same part. I think it, yeah, he's doing some Wall Street stuff. She, it's also, yeah, she's got a shop. I think, uh, I think she's engaged to Newman from Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, he seems pleased to see her a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he sweats quite a lot, more than he did in Seinfeld, actually. But, um, <laughs> he's, he's, more, he's more sweaty, like he's, he's more sort of Jurassic Park Seinfeld guy. He's more that, <laughs> he's doing that bit. Anyway, yeah, I think it's good. It's a great sweater, actually. That's who I seem to be, actually. Weirdly, I'll go back and that's the person I relate to most in the show. In any film. <laughs> Sweaty Newman. Uh, well, the subcategory, troubling boners, yeah. worrying wide-ons. A film you found arousing you weren't sure you should. You know the, the really weird one for me, and it's like, I remember sitting around at my auntie and uncles and this was playing. So Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, right? Mm. You know the horrible king and his sort of missus. You know, like, yeah. um, they do the song of, like, you're my little lollipop, you're my teddy bear. And he sort of chases her around. That yeah. was, I used to find, I, I remember that probably being the first time I had to sort of, like, slowly grab a pillow and put it over my lap. That was the that sort of, oh, such fucking such a yeah. good answer. <laughs> I like you five years before Blessing Instinct on the bus home from school with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I got to get home there. Everyone's going to be home at five. You're my little lollipop. Let's go. Just <laughs> written in the Joyce's. Yeah, the, the uh, lollipop song, the teddy bear lollipop song, it's really worn. Um, Joyce, I'm going to need some wool and chitty chitty bang bang. Go. What's the wool for? Don't ask, Joyce. It's none of your fucking business. <laughs> no, just shut up, Joyce. Shut your bitch. I'm up against it here, mate. They're going to be finished. They'll be home from work at five. <laughs> um, that would be the, uh, that, that's the one that, um, yeah, Fantastic I think. Fantastic uh, answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels quite seedy in a way. No, I love it. That's brilliant. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen. 
What's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. Well done. Tom Davis, what is objectively, objectively the greatest film ever made? I th- do you know what I think it's The Apartment with Jack Lemmon? Oh, excellent, excellent answer. I, th- I think that film started everything that me and you do now. I think that was the first sort of like rom com sort of character but and I think it's got such a great it's just a, I, I rewatched it recently and it was that weird thing and when I was starting to write scripts my mum went out and she went uh, oh, I've got you a present and she'd been to Oxfam and she got like a Billy Wilder uh, script book and it had like that and the fortune oh, wow. cookie written as scripts so I'd sit and watch the films and uh, go off the script so I think it was like for a lot of reasons it became like this really um yeah like strong and I just think it's just yeah when you look at it and you can sort of see in its DNA everything that, you know, John Apatow and the people that, you know, mm. I, I think are incredible, just genuinely that sort of screwball rom-com, it just has all of that. And like I say, the centre part of it, that sort of um, relationship like with between, you know, Sherman Payne and I think it's Fred Minolte, who like, is the boss and this guy just sort of, yeah, and some of the comedy set pieces, you know, the neighbour thinking mm. constantly, like, he's having this party-style lifestyle <laughs> yeah. and he's, he's literally walking there, you know, I mean, it gets, it's just brilliant, man. And that, that, yeah. there's a real time there that sort of we, you know, Joyce's video shop had that sort of that sort of film and that that and things like bringing up baby and and there's yeah. something when we were writing King Gary we were making film and you go back and watch these things about look you know I love swearing it's whatever but there's a great Cary Grant in that and they're they're, they're brilliant those sort of those films of that time. I think you could learn so much as a writer just sitting watching those. And the apartment really for me is is I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it set so much stuff. Wonderful. Wonderful. What is the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? Probably I'd say The Hangover. I think The Hangover, we if it's ever on, me and Catherine will sit and it will just play on. Really? We could be sitting down to watch another film, like, oh, shit, we're going to watch <laughs> like Barbie. And then you'll go to ITV2 and you go, oh, fuck, Hangover's on. Well, we might as well watch 10 minutes. I love this bit. And then you before you know it, they're fucking looking at the photos at the end. I think it's, it's a work of, it's a really weird thing. It's a bit like Friends in the sense of when you first watch it, you're just completely obsessed with Zach Galifianakis. So you, you know, he's just everything. And then you sort of like work, you know, Bradley Cooper comes, and then actually you just go fucking Ed Holmes is the star of this film. It's so fucking brilliant, and it's just a brilliant. I just think it's a perfect comedy movie. I think it's. Mm. And it just never fails to make me laugh. I, I think it, it's, yeah, I think it just, it, it has that level of ambition as a comedy piece. But yeah, I just think, yeah, that is, is just a yeah, wonderful bit of work. Respect. Respect. What is, we don't like to be negative and you, you like this stuff. So like, what's the worst film you've ever seen? It's quite easy for me, this one. The Liberace movie. Uh, that, oh, really? Under the, under the candelabra? 
Yeah. I went to watch right. it at Catherine. I think it, I was hungover, I think, probably. But okay. I, I went to watch it at Catherine, and we both fell asleep 10 minutes in. And uh, <laughs> sort of, um, I, at the end, went, oh, that movie was shit. And this woman in front of me turned around, and she went, um, I, I'm surprised you know you were, you were snoring through most of it. And uh, so not only did I, I ruined it for everyone else in the cinema. I, and, then, and then I was like, maybe we were too harsh on it. We tried to give it another watch. And, yeah. uh, and, and I'm a positive guy. I just found it... I, yeah. I just I just couldn't get on board with it. It's, it's hard as well because the thing about it, right, is, and you know in this industry, I find it really difficult to be, as, you know, I've grown into it, I find it really, really hard to be negative about stuff because I know that people have put time and effort into things. Yeah. And to write a script is difficult or to, that one I just found, and it, it really, I, I could see that it just didn't resonate with me. I just didn't, I found it a really difficult watch. I just didn't, I, I yeah. I feel bad saying this now, but I had to say something. You've pushed me into a corner. And everyone in it is financially. <laughs> you forced this well on me. Off. Yeah, it is. You forced this on me. I, I could have said there's two other things I was thinking of, which I won't say. And I know that everyone else is still nicking a living. They're still just about fucking head above water. What I know is Michael Douglas doesn't need Tom Davis to review his films and go, you yeah. <laughs> know. He's done all right. And you listen, yeah. you've been very positive on Basic Instinct. Sure, you yes, don't, yeah. you don't know what it's <laughs> No, about. actually, to be fair, this was a real. Michael Douglas, he's like, what? what? He didn't even watch Basic Instinct. <laughs> didn't even enjoy your sex scenes. <laughs> Too busy watching Sweaty Newman. <laughs> what is the film that made you... You're funny. You're very funny. What's the film that made you laugh the most? I think sort of Uncle Buck and... I think anything with John Candy was like... I've, I've heard yes. John Candy... I think Trains, Planes. I think Trains, Planes is mo- moments, small moments... Like I watch and and I and I think he's he was just the absolute he was a godfather of it all. Like everything that like if there's any one person with you know, Danny McBride, I think for certain sides, but that sign of like to be sort of vulnerable but still so massive mm. and sort of have this sort of like, you know, and trains planes, there's just amazing little one liners that he has. There's a moment with Steve Martin when they're driving to the first hotel and they've just left the airport and uh, they're in that cab with this sort of like quiet, sort of like aggressive looking dude. And um, Steve Martin just turns around and it's like, uh, Fudge, you said this was like 10 minutes down the road. And John Candy's like, he's giving us a guided tour. It's, you know, he's like, your friend said you're not from around He's like, he's proud of his town. It's a rare thing this day. And I don't know why that's such a, I laugh every time that moment comes on because it's such it's a small lovely. thing that's so real. And it's just performance across the, the film. And I just think he, um, yeah, he's, he's just like the perfect performance. I think it was improviser and, you know, Uncle Buck, again, they're, they're they're films that I'll just sit and I'll watch Cool Runnings. I just think he he managed to just yeah. take the, the art of being funny, but actually just package it and it's completely believable. And to be a big guy and not to ever rely on your size as being a sort of like aggressive side of things. That yeah, I found that that's really, so really interesting. Inspiring. I never I never thought about that. There's no the joke is never that he's no big. he's always no he's and he's always vulnerable. And I think that's. Yeah, yeah, it's he's, he's a yeah. So yeah, I think yeah, anything with John Candy makes me laugh, but often quite a lot of the time will, will make me cry as well. I think it. I think yeah. the end of Trains, Planes, oh, arguably that moment is just I'm done. And and the speech, man, I like me. Mm. My wife likes me. You're like wow, a little bit of your fucking, you know, yeah. it's there, man. It's a beautiful thing. That I weirdly the last person I recorded this podcast with also picked John Candy. We talked about him a lot, and he is like pure. You want to talk about fucking likability, like yeah, you love him. 
You just love yeah. him in everything. Yeah. He's like, instantly you fucking love him. Because it's interesting as to how, like, you know, Danny McBride and, and say, Will Ferrell have, like, massive impacts on me as a comedian and stuff that I mm. think is amazing to tell. But they're both, and, you know, in the cat, they're probably more inspiring in some ways, but actually when I watch Candy, it's an art of his characters and yeah. never that thing. They're always, like, let's, and it's probably a time, time has changed and time's progressed and, you know, we're not having to make sort of our protagonist always likable to sort of sell a thing but he managed to do that and actually but then and, and, and just you rooted for him in every scenario mm. it's like you know, I sit watching Uncle Buck and, and still that the bit when he's in with the teacher one of the greatest scenes yeah. because you know he still managed to, to be the underdog in all those situations yeah. Yeah. like that's a really um, yeah he, he's I think he's up there for the, as one of the mm. greatest ever performers I think you know and man let's not even get started on JFK because my guy fucking goes in there. JFK, he's incredible. So. Yeah, he does. I forget that. <laughs> he's incredible. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Now, Tom Davis. Yes, sir. You have been magnificent, as expected. However, 10 years in the future, when for some awfully tragic reason you're suddenly very frail, and you and I are going to do Always Be Comedy with James Gill, and yeah. you're like uh, hobbling up the steps and I'm having to help you. And you say, do you remember I said, and suddenly you've got an accent. Do you remember yeah. I said, do you remember I said, if I'm ever too frail, you take care of me. And I say, yeah, I do, Tom. It's so tragic. It's happened so quickly. <laughs> and uh, I say, you, you go ahead. You go ahead. Don't, that's it. Go ahead. Like in Goodfellas when Robert De Niro's like, just yeah. go there. Keep going. Oh, just, wow. Keep going there. Just keep going there. What a cool And bet. you're walking... You're walking up the stairs and you're like, really? And I go, yeah, just keep, yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. 
just up ahead, up ahead. And you're like, to be fair, it's not actually that many steps at the, no, at the time no. field. And also probably but you're slow. fiddling around with the gun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm trying to just put a silencer on it. But the, annoyingly, <laughs> with the, putting the silencer on, it's quite noisy, ironically. Yeah. And, uh, but you're frail <laughs> and you're like, uh, and I keep, keep going, just, uh, James is up there, James is up there. I go, yeah, yeah. keep going. Keep going, and you're like, "Are you sure?" And I go, "Yeah." Where and then it's being really from? annoyed, turning around, going, "It's weird, isn't it?" Because he's never done stand up on Tuesdays. <laughs> and uh, and and James is going, "Are you ready?" And I'm going, "James, go, go in there, just go in there, just go in there." And and go ahead anyway. And then I shoot you in the leg, yeah. in the back, yeah. dead. And then you look at my face. I'm smiling, right? Yeah, because I know what's looks- coming. Yeah, you look happy. You weren't. Yeah. You, you you played along. You're a wonderful actor. You played along. But you knew what was happening. And I've got a coffin with me. You know what I'm like. In the other hand, and I go, oh, there he is. And then James comes out and he goes, what are you doing? And I go, James, I've just shot Tom uh, three times, as requested. And James goes, well, we yeah. got a sh- we got a show. I go, I know. Listen, I do. I'll, I can go longer. It'll be fine. <laughs> I say, help me out here. And he goes, well, how are we gonna, what are we going to do? I go, we've got to get him in the coffin, but we're going to have to do it in chunks. And so he goes, oh, quick. And he gets Tim and he says, Tim, you got one of your Sweet axes? Tim Lewis. Tim goes, Chad, Tim Lewis. Tim Lewis comes out of an axe. He goes, yeah, what do you need? I said, well, I just need to chop up Tom Davis here. And he goes, oh, God, with like three minutes till the show. I go, yeah, we'll be fine. So we just start chopping up your body, chopping up your body, chopping up your body. on the stairs, bits going everywhere. We pack you in the coffin. I'll be honest, there was more, more of you than I was expecting. <laughs> that coffin is absolutely rammed. It is packed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What with your walking stick and your walker and all the... <laughs> accoutrements you it's had like, it's so like it's like a greedy person at a pick and mix <laughs> it's every, it's everywhere right it's, there's no room in this coffin there's really only enough room for me to slide one DVD in the side for you to take across to the other side and when you get there it's movie night every night what film are you taking to show the sausage party in heaven when it is your movie night Mr Tom Davis you, you know what I think it would have, I think it would have to be The Hangover I, I, I think it has enough I think it has enough in it I think I can watch that most nights, and it'll be, I'll take something new from it. I, I think it, there's so many different things, but I think you know what? That'll be the one. Okay. There'll be an, an incredible moment when Bradley Cooper walks past, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "This is it, mate. It's the only film that I've got to watch." And he's like, "All right, no, yeah, nobody else has picked this movie." I was like, "Actually, really, mate, if you want a story, when I went to see The Star Is Born, I had my first gay kiss." <laughs> he sits down next to you and he goes, fucking hell, boy. <laughs> and that's when the end music plays out, like the rings. It's a double ending. <laughs> Tom Davis, what a delight. Is there anything you would like to tell people to look out for, to watch for? I suggest they go see you on tour for starters. I'd say the tour, which will be a lot of fun, which is going to be all around the UK from February next year or mm-hmm. whenever this goes out. And also Wonka is out. Yeah. Oh yeah, you fucking Wonka. Which is I've not seen it yet, so hopefully I've, I've made the cut. I hope so. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. fingers crossed. So uh, that comes out on the fifteenth of December. So that'll be a lot of fun. So uh, right. go and watch. If nothing else, just see Timothy Chamonix. Be amazing. Okay, Tom Davis. Great girl to see. I love you. Bless you, brother. It's been a Thank joy. Thank you for doing Thank it. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking me on this journey, bro. Yeah, we've really we've really been places. Uh, I'd say yeah. in many ways, it's been an incredible journey. Lots of love. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good, have a good night. Good, good day. Brother. Thank you. 
So that was episode 274. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra secret videos and extra questions with Tom. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a lovely thing to read and my neighbour Maureen loves it and always cries. Thank you so much to Tom for giving me his time and for being so brilliant. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to iHeartMedia and Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. So that is it for now. I'll be back next week with another excellent guest that you will love. But in the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.